You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. about worship I love a lot of things about worship but one of the things is that no matter what's going on in your life no matter how hard things are how how stressed you may be where you're at in transition or, or process or whatever it is things are going great you're celebrating uh, that when you get in his presence it, it's it just feels like home <laughs> and you know why you have that feeling of home because home is is being in the heart of the father as being in that position that we see John in at the at the Last Supper in, in John chapter thirteen, where he's laid back against Jesus' chest. There's 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 very few reasons why a young man, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old, would find themselves comfortable at the chest of a guy they'd only known for a few years, a couple years, three years. Right? Jesus is thirty three. They're not related. You know, not a comfortable position. I know any any man in this room, 16, 17, 18 years old, you probably didn't find yourself in that position any time, did you? <laughs> With somebody you'd only known for a few years. You wouldn't find yourself in that position probably with your dad. With a bunch of your buddies sitting around the table. Just ain't going down, right? <laughs> I wasn't going to do it. But but only deductive reasoning tells me that the only thing that made John feel that comfortable is that he found himself to be at, at home with Jesus. And he was leaned back in that position that we were created to live from, not just momentarily go to and worship. But worship gets to be that thing that actually invites us into this place of rest where we can lean back against the chest of the Father and we can say, here I am, Dad, for you to love and I'll just receive your love, just rest in this position, and I never have to leave it, that I can live. I remember some years ago, I was reading through, we're compiling a, a document uh, that Rachel's going to put together of prophetic words over Revive the World, and uh, over the years, we're putting it all together so that we can have this doc in front of all of, all of us, that we can see the words, we can be encouraged by the ones that have come to pass, be uh, praying into and, and holding before the Lord the ones that, that we haven't seen yet. We're also doing that with the testimonies of the, of the healing and miracles that we've seen. I've, I've copied and pasted from Evernote into a Word doc um, all the healings and miracles that, that just that we've, we've documented, that we've seen since uh, 2013. And I have 79 pages in 12 point in 49,000 plus words and I'm not detail oriented if I was detail oriented it'd be a hundred thousand words in there so <laughs> just to show you what God's done over the course of, of the last not even 10 years yet um, and so those prophetic words I remember reading through them over the last few days and and remembered as Jesus was speaking to me and I was laid back in my recliner just receiving from him and he said, this is a position that I want you to live from forever. Quit you basically, quit leaving this position when you get, you know, when things are seemingly easy or you're in my presence or you're worshiping or you're in the flow of doing things with me, it's easy to rest, right, against his chest and just lay there. But that, when the moment that pressure comes or stress comes or life gets real and you're trying to grind, some, grind through it is that it's real easy to step into my own strength and think that, okay, I'll handle this. And we do this. I, I mean, I'm doing it unconsciously. I know, I know living from that position is way easier than doing it myself. Like, I know that. But, it, but unconsciously, we can step into our own strength. And the indicator usually is, is, is that you're, you feel stressed, that you feel afraid, that you feel the pressure of life squeezing you. Those are indicators of knowing I'm not living from rest. Because when I live from rest and I'm leaned back in that place against the chest of the Father, when pressure comes and stress comes and fear comes knocking, the, the door doesn't get opened. And the things don't affect me. They just, it's like, 
It's just like water off a duck's back. It's just, you know what I mean? It, it just doesn't affect me the same way. It doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean that I, I'm not aware that it's there. It's just that I'm not most aware of it. I'm more aware of him. <laughs> and so worship invites us into this place to live from. It's, it's beautiful that we come together corporately, and we, there's a corporate anointing that happens that you just can't get any, in any other setting. You can have amazing moments by yourself, but we just can't. When we come together as the body, as the bride, there's just something. And Katie and the team did an incredible job. Just the anointing and the grace that's, that's on you guys is phenomenal. But it, it takes us into this place, and Jesus is just asking, you know, hey, would you just, would you just live from here? It'd just be so much better. <laughs> Quality of life is what he wants us to have. Quality of life in, in every season. Right, it's not about just surviving. When I'm not resting against his chest, I'm, I'm, I'm customarily in survival mode in one way, shape, or form. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about today, but it felt right. So, <laughs> and so, so the invitation's there. But before I get started, I've got a couple testimonies that I, I, w- I wanted to share with you, and then I'm going to talk to you today about um, relationship with religion versus relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I've been wanting to, to, to teach this, preach this message since I got back from Pakistan, and um, I just hadn't felt permission. I had it locked and loaded last week, and, um, you know, we ended up talking about the kingdom, which I, I thought went well, and it felt like Jesus. So, um, but I'm going to talk to you about it today. But So while we were there in, in Karachi, I remember preaching this message it's one of those things that are, that are spur of the moment. If you're a preacher, a teacher, you've uh, probably customarily liked to have a little bit of time to prepare uh, whatever you're teaching. You like to have some preparation time in those, in those settings and on those trips and when you travel and things like that. You don't, there's not. You find out that you, as long as you have Holy Spirit, you're always ready. <laughs> he's, he lives in you like he's He's God. <laughs> he's, he's God. Like he, he's God. Like, the only reason I don't feel prepared is I don't feel like I have it up here together what I'm going to say and forget that flow comes from here. Jesus said, if you'll, he, stand up, he stands up you know, at the party and says, hey, if you'll come to me and, and drink and believe on me, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Your innermost being's not up here in your head. Your innermost being's right here in the center of your being. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's where it flows from. And so on those trips and in those times where I'm getting, to, getting the privilege of teaching a lot and not a lot of rest time or downtime, you find out, you, find, you learn to trust him more. You know, you just get opportunity to trust him more. And so as I'm, I'm sharing this message that I didn't have any time to really prepare for, and um, there was a lady that, she was on the left-hand side, and she, during the teaching, she comes up later and says she got healed of arthritis. Y'all heard me share this testimony um, when I shared the pictures, when, like two weeks after I came back. But she got healed of arthritis throughout her whole body and her joints and all that stuff. And it was just, it was just during the Word of, word of God being released, because the the God of the Word is moving when the Word of God is released. <laughs> and so the Spirit of God is, is moving. It has little to do with the person that's teaching. It has everything to do with the Spirit of God that's moving. And, and He can do anything. So I'm trying to build your expectations. <laughs> Let me share another one from America, just in case you think. Because some people think, well, I was overseas. Miracles happen over, overseas easier. Um, if I believe that, that will be true for me. That will be my truth. It doesn't make it the highest form of truth. It just will make it a blockage for me. And I found out that miracles happen just the same in Greenwood as they do in Karachi. And so we were at the Arabic Christian Church um, some, a few year, handful of years ago. And on the north side, they were, uh, their church may still be there. It's in College Park Church. You're familiar with College Park Church? That's actually where Joe and Arelli uh, and I met for the first time. We were prophesying over you guys, and, and um, I don't remember a whole lot else. Uh, 
I do even remember a little bit of that word, and that's been, that's been several years ago. And it's surprising that I remember it. <laughs> and uh, I remember talking about uh, the blind man that Jesus healed, one of the blind men. I don't remember which story I was talking about. And there was a woman in the crowd, and she was seated on the right side. Her name was Mary. She was about half, halfway back. She was probably about three or four rows back. And I, I remember these things because I log the testimony in my mind so that I can go back to it and remember the goodness of God. So that it transforms my mind and builds an expectation of what God can do in a moment that had nothing to do with me and that I see that he wants to do things more than I want him to. That's why I log this stuff. That's why I write the testimonies down. That's why I have 49 pages or 70, 70, 79, was it? 79 pages in a Word doc worth of testimonies. 40,000 plus words. That's why I have all that stuff so that I can remember the goodness of God. Because there are so many times, I remember Aaron when he was talking about communion, he's like, I don't know what I would remember if they put me in, in jail. I've had that thought before. Would I have memorized enough scripture? Would I have meditated enough on the testimonies of the goodness of God? And I know that I have meditated at least enough to be, I'd, I'd be okay. I know that because these things will transform your mind. And when I write them down and I'm, I'm responsible that's what he told that God told the children of Israel, keep the testimony. It wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> He's like, keep it. Not because I'm making a rule for you, but because it's going to be really good for you. Because in those moments where you need encouragement, you're not always going to get somebody to pick up the phone. You're, always not going, you're not always going to have a prayer team to pray for you. Your favorite worship team may not be doing it for you when, on, when you play their songs. There's, I've had mo you ever had moments like that when the, that song didn't, it just didn't do it for you like it had done before. And in those moments, I found out that two things. One, I lay hands on myself because the Spirit of God flows through me for me just as it does through me for you. <laughs> and two is that I can encourage myself in the Lord when I remember the testimonies of His goodness. David encouraged himself. How did he encourage himself? He remembered the goodness of God. He remembered the mercy of God. <laughs> he, remembered, he remembered the experiences that he had with God. The memory is one of the most powerful things. Is that it can either be a, used as a weapon for my good or it can be used as a weapon against me. Depends on what I choose to remember. <laughs> Depends on what I choose to meditate on that's in my memory. And the more that I meditate on the testimonies of the goodness of God, those other memories that are under the blood concerning Jesus, but we still remember those things, right? <laughs> those things get pushed out the more that I transform my mind with the goodness of God. And that stuff that I don't want to remember, it won't, it won't, it won't be there anymore. It won't sting anymore. Because even the testimonies of the goodness of God will bring healing to my heart in those places where that I've, I've brought condemnation or shame or guilt or pain or whatever it is of the choices that we've made in the past and we've all made poor choices at some point some of us just more than others <laughs> and that's okay <laughs> because we're all wrapped in the righteousness of Jesus now because we're in him and so he sees me as flawless sinless that's the way he sees you Whew, that's good news come on he doesn't see you according to anything you've ever done wrong it's good. And so Mary that was sitting about halfway back in the, in the right-hand row, she, I'm talking about the blind man, she had vision problems. She was, her uh, vision was blurry. It was bad. She reaches up as she hears the testimony from the Word of God about the blind man getting healed. She reaches up, touches her own eyes in faith. Nobody prays for her, and bam, Jesus heals her. No prayer team, no prophetic word, no declaration, no pastor, no preacher. She just reaches up her hands, bam, touches her eyes, and she's healed. I'm like, you know, you know what that is? It's the, it's the testimony, the root word of testimony is to do again, and that when the testimony is released, it's three clicks back if you have a digital concordance in the Hebrew. <laughs> Go back to the root of the word, and you'll find that it means to do again. What's that mean? It means God wants to do it again. And so she heard it, believed that, reached up and touched her eyes and was healed. 
And so when a testimony is released of a miracle that you need or even is in the realm of the miraculous that you need, you can just reach up and grab it. It's free. (laughs) Just like grace. It's free. (laughs) Sometimes I think I have to be in a certain position. I have to pray a certain prayer. I have to have a certain person pray for me. I have to... All these stipulations. All these stipulations. I saw somebody get hit by their wife. I'll leave them unnamed to protect the guilty. (laughs) All these things, these stipulations that we put on God of how if we do this, we'll get healed. Now, I realize that there are some times when we do certain, certain things, prophetic acts or things like that are led by the Holy Spirit, and you get healed. But the majority of the time, it's, it's just faith. <laughs> You've got all you need inside you. You've got all the faith you can need for any miracle. Any miracle. Anything. So, I feel like today that if you, if you need something, you need something from Him, some healing internally, externally, that uh, the Spirit of God is ready and willing. <laughs> the testimony is, is just so, so, so powerful. You know, when it's released, what it does is it actually creates that atmosphere for anything in the miraculous to happen again. <laughs> You know, in the Ark of the Covenant, one of the things that was kept in there was the rod that budded, Aaron's rod that, that budded. It was a rod that budded. You get that right? Like it's, <laughs> that's a creative miracle. Why would they have them keep that in the Ark of the Covenant? To remind them that God can do anything. <laughs> can make a rod bud. <laughs> like, what are my problems to that? You know, <laughs> when I'm sitting in the midst of them and I meditate on my, I'm just going to go with this for a minute. It feels right. So when I'm sitting in the midst of my problems and I meditate on my problems, they become so big that I've, that in my God becomes so small that all of a sudden God's not able any longer. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, and, and that's, those are the things that cause me along with bad theology taught by good people. Those are the things that cause me to actually beg God for things. Why would you ever have to beg a good father for something? All right? But those are the things that cause me to beg. It's just a... Because I've, I've sat so long in the midst of it, and that biblical principle of magnification has become true to me. Whatever I focus on the most will get the biggest. And so I begin to focus on my problems, and then they become giants, and I'm not focused on God, and he becomes really small. <laughs> I get a God of my understanding, so he fits right in here in my understanding. <laughs> I'm like, God, if you think you could, <laughs> please, might you, sir, you know, you get real proper, real polite. I like being polite, but, you know... <laughs> I've prayed all those prayers. I'm laughing because I've done all of it. I wish I could say that I'd just done it once. <laughs> I've done it a bunch of times. And I've, I've, found, I've, found, I've found the solution. I've found the solution. It's all about what I meditate on. It's all about what I meditate on. <clears throat> so, you know, religion... Some people will, they mistakenly will say, hey, you, you, you've got religion. You know, when, that, when you accept Jesus or you tell them you become a Christian or a follower of Jesus, however you word it. And they say you've got religion. And I, I get what they mean by that, right? Um, but there's a very real principality and power that is the spirit of religion. That if you look in the Middle East... For just a split second, you will find out what has caused wars now for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's, it's, not, just, it's not just because people are of different faiths. It's not because there's Jews and, and Muslims, right? It's not because there's Christian and Muslims. There's, it's, it's not because there's Hindus and, and Muslims and Christians and Jewish people. It's not because of the particular faith, it's because the spirit of religion is driving people to try to wipe out 
one another. Because remember what John 10.10 says. It says that the, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And what, what Paul said in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he said, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? In the spiritual realm, in the darkness, even the deceitful, ugly, crazy things that you see people do, there's, there's something in the spirit realm that is oftentimes infiltrated their minds or either or maybe even controlling their actions it just depends on on the situation in the case but there's something in the darkness that is affecting affecting these things we often look to government and, and begin to blame them or, or do all the things that we do because again somebody's always got to get the blame right the blame game Adam and Eve started in, in Genesis chapter three. Like it, it's it's human. It's human nature. It's it's not it's not our new nature, but it is human nature. <laughs> and and so somebody's always got to get the blame. But there's principalities and powers that affect that affect governing authorities in the natural. I'm not, giving the, I'm not giving the devil all the credit. I'm just telling you the reality of the situation is that we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Is that That's why God says pray for your governmental leaders, right? And all those in authority. That it, says pray because they need, they need prayer. They need the Spirit of God being released. They need Christians that are bombarding heaven and releasing the kingdom on earth so that those principalities and powers can lose their grip and those people can have encounters with the one true and living and loving God and so that they can step into their new nature and begin to release the divine design that the Father planned from the beginning into those cities, uh, into states, into nations so that he can see the promises that he has for every single nation fulfilled. Because he had an idea for every, he had a plan, a dream, if I can say it that way, for every single nation in the world. And it hasn't come to fulfillment yet, but I can guarantee this, is that, that he always wins. <laughs> and, and as a matter of fact, it's already, it's already finished through Jesus. It's already been won. And so, it takes, it's us, it's the church. All the blame should come off everybody else and come back to us and, say, and not blame ourselves, but say, okay, what, can, what should I do here? When I see a problem in the news or I see things that are happening that aren't supposed to, I see crimes against humanity, I see those kind of things where we see injustice and that justice things rises up on the inside of you, what should I, I should be asking, turn inwardly and say, Holy Spirit, what should I do here? What should I do? Prayer is always the go-to, but prayer is not the only thing. <laughs> because there's action involved also, right? <clears throat> I remember I was questioning myself whether or not I should get in, in the middle of, of, uh, of this fight to break it up. It was not long after I was a Christian. I had, had been a Christian probably six months, sold out to Jesus. And, and these two guys were getting ready to throw down. And, and one of them, uh, his nickname was Bulldog. And, and uh, there was a reason for that. And uh, <laughs> he he looked <laughs> he looked like that you know he was short, stocky, no neck, and uh, I knew his reputation. And um, fortunately, he he at least res respected me uh, in my choices of, of being a Christian. And and the other guy wasn't near. I wasn't much concerned about him. But you don't want to get hit accidentally, right? Like that's never nobody nobody likes to get punched in the face, like you know. <laughs> And and so I, I started to pray because I'm you know I'm a new believer I'm like I'll pray, and uh, the Holy Spirit immediately stopped me and said What are you doing praying? Go do something about it. So I did, and uh, I carefully, <laughs> carefully moved in between them and 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 was able to reason and uh, bring some rational thought into the situation, which isn't always easy to do with two men that are angry, angry because all, all rational thought goes. That's why you women always win the arguments, because once you make us mad, all the thinking is, is gone. Like, we can't, if you talk circles around us, you're just, you know, and, and we're just like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> 
It's the truth. I don't know what's going on, but I sure am mad about it. I know you're right, but I'm still mad. You know it's true. That's why it's why y'all are laughing. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> the spirit of religion comes in, in three forms that I'm going to bring to you today. And um, fear, control, and manipulation. Fear, control, and manipulation are the three things that you see the spirit of religion uh, manifest as. It controls, it, it manipulates, and it, and it makes afraid. Not the fear of the Lord, which is reverence to God. But in, in that's, that's a real important thing. It's a fear of the Lord, not being afraid of God, but having reverence for Him. It's honor, it's respect, it's humbling myself before Him, realizing that He is God. Right? It's, an, it's an important part of our Christianity. But this is a different kind of fear. It's the fear that the enemy's kingdom operates out of. One operates out of love, one operates out of fear. One operates out of light, one operates out of darkness. I remember my friend years ago teaching this, and he said... He said, devil bad, God good. <laughs> I thought, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> it's good theology right there. Devil bad, God good. So if it's bad, it's not God. I mean, that'll help you out a whole lot. <laughs> Come on. Like... <laughs> God only does good things. All good and perfect gifts come down from the Father, the Father of lights, Father of light, the Father of life and love. Like those are the things that are His nature. If they're not good, they didn't come from Him. Doesn't involve light, love, life, not from the Father. And so the spirit of religion manifests in that way, but when we have a relationship with Jesus, it's based on love, freedom, and connection. When I have a relationship with Jesus and not religion, I know it's based on love, which brings the connection. It's based on freedom because it actually sets me free to be the son that I was created to be, free to be everything that he always dreamed I would be. And it happens, ultimately, it happens through, it happens through relational connection. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's by divine design. It's what he planned for us. It feels right. That's why I said it feels like you're at home when you're in worship, when you're in the presence of God, because that's where you belong. You were made by the one whose presence you are in. <laughs> and because he created me, he's the only one that can complete me. Isn't that good? He created me, so he completes me. And so when I'm in relationship with him, in not rules or religion, then I know... I know that because I feel free. I'm not afraid. I don't feel manipulated or controlled. So let me give you an example out of the Bible. I'm going to read out of John chapter 8, starting in verse, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read down to about verse 10. I'm going to read this out of the, out of the NKJV. This is just a great, it's just, just a great example. One of the things that we feel very passionate about is, is destroying the works of religion everywhere that, that we go. <laughs> the, we're destroying the works of religion everywhere we go because it's, you know, that you know that the enemy is trespassing on every bit of the ground of the earth. Like he has no authority left. Jesus took all authority. That's why in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. <laughs> if he has all of it, then, then there's nobody else that has any of it. And, and why the enemy was able to run rampant from Genesis 3 all the way up into Matthew 28 is because he had free reign on the earth. People always bring Job up and they say, why, why, why was, you know, he able to do that to Job. You know why? Because he actually didn't even have to ask God to do anything to Job. He had full authority on the earth. And Jesus took it back. And so the enemy is trespassing. And so one of the assignments of sons and daughters of God, not just this ministry, but every ministry throughout the world, is to destroy the works of religion. Because religion hurts people. 
religion, as my friend David Wagner says, religion's meaner than sin. Religion's meaner than sin because it actually tells you that you have to work for something that was given to you freely. It tries to make you work for grace. It tries to make you work your way through this Christian life. Religion's manipulating, controlling, making you afraid that if you don't do the right thing or say the right thing or act the right way that you're going to be punished because that's how religion operates. To scare you and control you. Can I tell you that I know how pastors fall into religion in, in, into those control, fear and control and manipulation, which they all three go together. Like fear, control, and manipulation are, are all like besties. They all, they're all running together. And I know how pastors I know how pastors fall into it because free people are scary. <laughs> free people are scary. Well, I can't get them to do what I want to do. I can't get them to give. I can't get them to, you know, it could, because they think all of a sudden they get fed lies by the enemy and they think all of a sudden, okay, I need to make, I need to control these people so that they do what I want them to do because I may, I may lose them. People have given us, I don't know how many prophetic words, at least three. Cheryl was one of them. She said, always hold people open-handed. John Wimber said it best. He said, we're in, the, we're in the people building business, not in the people keeping business. I like that because that's, that's what it is. Whether you get to be a part of their life for 30 days, uh, three months, three years. 10 years, whatever it is. Not everybody's going to stay with you forever. But I know how pastors fall into it. And then religion gets a hold, right? It gets a stronghold in somebody's mind. And then once it gets a stronghold in the gatekeeper's mind of the ministry, it gets a stronghold in the ministry. And you feel those things begin to move. And it, and it, doesn't, it doesn't happen out of malicious intent. I, I don't, I've never seen it happen out of malicious intent. It wasn't like people plan it, like, well, this is what I'm going to do. No, that's not it. They get for, afraid for a, an array of reasons. I've been tempted to be afraid in a lot of them. One of them for pastors is finances. Oh, well, they start getting afraid about whatever, money coming in. Forget God's the source. <laughs> yeah, it comes through people. I get it. But he's ultimately the source. <laughs> That's why you're not paying your tithes. You don't owe God money. <laughs> you're giving out of a cheerful heart. <laughs> God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> you know why? Because they've got the revelation that they are one with the most generous one. <sighs> and so then I inherently want to give because it's part of my nature. <laughs> it's not grudgingly. It's definitely not out of fear. All right? And that's the thing that religion teaches Religion has messed people up on tithing and giving, which I may talk about in the next couple of weeks because it's an important topic. I shouldn't have told you because some of you may not want to show up now. <laughs> Dang it. If you hear it, if you hear it from me, you'll, you'll know that, that we, just, we teach it different. Some of you have heard me teach it. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, 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 an, it's an important topic. And I realize that it, it just, it just uh, you know, sometimes religion teaches you if you don't pay your tithes, then you're going to be in trouble with God. Like you're going to be punished. Yeah. I, I heard a, a preacher say one time that, that if you don't pay your tithes, then they'll take it out in doctor bills. Yeah, there's people that are taught that. It's sad, but they have, a, they have a, a poor perspective on who the Father is. That's all. They're our brothers and sisters, right? And if it wasn't for the people that God surrounded me with, I wouldn't even know the truth that I know. Like, I have good, healthy examples. My spiritual fathers and, and mothers and the people that are around us now, that we just, we're, going, we're going after healthy, healthy revelation. If it doesn't line up with the nature and character of Jesus, then it's, it's not truth to me. If it doesn't have hope attached to it, it's not truth to me. It doesn't come from the God of all hope if it doesn't have hope. <laughs> and so these are, the, these are the things we've learned. People have taught us. We didn't learn these things on our own. We didn't recreate the wheel, but we're running these revelations through the filters of hope 
and the nature and character of the Father. And so religion has messed people up on some topics, and that's why some people don't even want to give, right? Because they've been messed up. But you know what? When I don't give, as it says in Luke 16, it actually means that I can't be trusted with spiritual riches. And so a lie actually infiltrates, and the enemy knows that. The enemy knows the word, and he knows if he can stop you from giving, it actually stops you from operating your new nature. And if he can stop you from operating out of your new nature, he can stop you from actually being free to be yourself, which means it stops you from thriving in every season of life. And ultimately, it stops me from being able to get more spiritual riches, which is the most important stuff because you know what? My money, no matter how much of it I accumulate in this life, it ain't going with me. <laughs> That's why Jesus said, store your treasures up in heaven. And while you're on earth, use your money as a weapon. Come on. <laughs> to destroy the works of the devil. All right, I'm going to keep... I'm gonna <laughs> you're like, I thought you weren't teaching about money this week. Some of you not going to be here next week because they're going to try to miss. They're going to try to miss me teaching them. So I, I just need to get that in, let you know that it's not really about money. It's not. It's not ultimately about that. Is that an important part of the kingdom? Yeah, it is. <clears throat> remember, all, remember that all things in the natural realm are the lowest lowest level of, of spiritual truths. Right? It's, it's like, yeah, it's important, but there's more important things. That's why Jesus said, if you can be trusted with this, then I'll trust you with true spiritual riches. What's that? That's souls. Miracles. Right? People getting free. That's what we want. Bill Johnson years ago was asked, he said, how'd you, their, their ministry was in the red when they came into it at Bethel. And he said, how in the world did, you know, pastor say, how'd you, how'd you get out of this? He said, I taught on tithing for the first three or four weeks. He said, like a cat that's being petted the wrong way, if you don't like it, turn around. <laughs> he said, and they realized, he said, they realized that it wasn't about money. And they said, they realized that actually revival comes through this door. And so people will ask, they say, how'd you get this to happen at your church? And they said, it, he said, it came through the realm, it came through the realm of giving. Because people want the shortcut always, Right? want the shortcut to miracles. You want the shortcut to miracles? <laughs> it comes through giving. I'm not saying you're buying miracles. I'm saying you're, getting, you're, you're coming into a place where you trust you trusted with true spiritual riches. <sighs> Come on. That makes me want to give right now. <laughs> That's what Lindsay and I do every time we've gotten afraid about money. Just give. Because when I get afraid, that means that the enemy's pressing in and he's trying to, what's fear do? Whatever I'm afraid of, I try to control. Whatever I'm afraid of, I try to control. Every parent knows that. Every time your kid has had bad behavior and you got afraid, you try to control them. I did it. We've all done it, right? That's what fear does. And so when fear comes knocking, I need to actually present an action that opposes it. Because some things you just can't pray yourself out of. You've got to actually present action. <laughs> And so you take, you take action. And so we, we come to what religion at its finest under the law in, in John chapter 8. I'm going to read these verses to you, and then we're going to work on closing, okay? John chapter 8 verse 1 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Uh, I'm sorry. And it said, Everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple... And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Or in adultery, in the very act. <clears throat> now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground, with his finger as though he did not hear them. <laughs> I love that. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, 
him throw the, let him throw the first stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Verse 12, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So here this woman is, caught in the very act of adultery. We have no idea how she got caught, how the Pharisees and Sadducees actually caught her, but we know that she is caught, and we know that it's likely that she gets drugged in the midst of not just Jesus, but a whole group of people wearing nothing but shame. And so she's just standing there just as an object of them trying to trick her, but not as the person that she is. And what religion does is it actually loses sight of people. It forgets. It forgets about people, and and it actually values law above people. It values what religion does. I'm going to give you indicators of whether or not there's still some of it in your thinking. Because any of us are subject to it. We're just working, you know, we're working ourselves, you know, we're getting transformed our minds. We're, God's breaking our religious boxes all the time. That's good. It's good news. We're all in process. So there's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's none of that stuff. If it's there, we just want to know when Holy Spirit to highlight it so that he can get it out of our lives. And so they value, that's what Jesus, they value actually judgment on people above people. Let me, let me give you a natural example. Is that when I see somebody do something wrong on the news or hear about it or see it on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever social media platform you're on, I see them do something wrong and the first thing that comes to my mind is judgment. Judgment and punishment, what they deserve. I'm telling you, the first thought that I have in any given situation, that is, that is what's transformed my mind the most. I, 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 love, I love that, not that thought, but I love the fact that I can find out what is the strongest, highest realm of truth that I have in a particular area by the first thought that comes to my mind in a situation. It's no different than if I see somebody with a cast crane, cane, crutch, or sick, or with a brace in front of me, what's my first thought? If my first thought they can be healed, then healings transform my mind that Jesus is healer. All right? Same thing. Somebody drops dead in front of me. What's my first thought? There's resurrection power. There's, there, there's resurrection that can happen here. I know you can be conflicted because you probably need to call 911 too. You can do both. You don't want to get in trouble. I realize that. So, just want to make sure you know. <laughs> wasn't trying to get you in trouble. So when I see something, that's what they do. The the religious leaders, they saw, they find out she's doing something wrong, this woman that they don't even name. They find out she's doing something wrong, and the first thing they do is they think judgment and punishment because that's what religion does. That's what religion teaches. It teaches to value law above people. That's not what God taught. That's what man taught. Because you know man wanted law, and he's the one that instituted over 600 laws wasn't God. God values relationship. God values people. And that's why it says in James chapter 2 that mercy triumphs over judgment. (laughs) And fortunately for this woman, she's looking mercy in the face because mercy has a name and it's Jesus. And so they ask him, hey, what do you do? We know what the law of Moses calls uh, calls for. We're going to kill her. Because that's the goal of religion is to destroy the life of a person. If it can't kill them in the natural, it will try to kill any, any form, any, any semblance of freedom that a person has. 
right? It will, what, what religion does is it will wrap you, what this woman is wrapped in, because we know it's likely she doesn't have any clothes on. She's wrapped in only shame, and that's what religion wants to clothe people in, is shame. Shame doesn't tell you that you've done something bad. It tells you you are something bad. Shame tells you that you are the behavior that you did. When people tried to tell you that you were a, you're a drug addict, that's your identity, that's what you'll always be. And then we come in and tell you that, no, actually, that's not what you're always going to be. That's not what you're created to be. It says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anybody is be in Christ Jesus, that old things passed away and all things have become new. <laughs> so I can't possibly be what I was. <laughs> Right, but that's that's all the that's all the natural realm can do is identify you according to your behavior, and that's what they did with this woman. And so Jesus ignores them because he knows what they're trying to do, and he just stoops down. And he's riding on the ground, and then they continue to press him. And so he stands up and he tells them, "Whichever one of you that have actually never sinned before." In one translation, it says, "Whichever one of you have never had a sinful thought." Because sometimes we gauge sin by things that we've only done outwardly. But Jesus actually says if you've even thought about committing the act of adultery, you've, you've committed it. Right? He says the thought of meditating on it. Not the thought coming into my mind and me bringing it captive. Because not every thought that comes into your mind is yours. Remember that. But thoughts that come into your mind, the devil is trying to convince you that they are still the way that you think. And then I grab a hold of them, if I meditate on them, then I'll think, oh, that's just me. It's still in there. That's what I used to do. Those thoughts are familiar. Those thoughts are familiar to me. Just because they're familiar doesn't make them yours. <laughs> Remember that you've been born again into divine nature, and everything in there has been cleaned out, except for the neural pathways that still have some of the same thinking patterns. That's why transformation of the mind is vitally important. And so, Jesus being pressed after he tells them, like, look, whichever one of you without sin, throw the first stone. He bends down, begins to write in the dust. There's multiple things that theologians say Jesus could have been writing. He could have been writing their names from oldest to youngest. He could have been writing out their sins. We have no idea. He could have been doodling. He could have been playing tic-tac-toe. We have no idea what he was doing. I like the thought to think that he was writing out their sins. I, sins. I like the thought to think that he was writing out from oldest to youngest the things that they had done wrong because that's how they filed out in order from oldest to youngest. <laughs> I just think that's interesting because the one that was the oldest to the young had the most opportunity to sin throughout their lives. And so they file away and then it's the woman left with Jesus and whoever he had been teaching. And he asks her a very important question. Where are those who condemn you? If you've still got things that you do in your life that you're not proud of, and maybe a lot of us, maybe only a few of us, we're all in process, I'd ask you this question. Who's condemning you? It's not Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore no, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. You know how I know you live according to the Spirit? Because the Spirit of God's in you. Keep reading through Romans 1 through 11. You'll find that out. You belong to Him because you have the Spirit of God inside you. And so the only one that's likely condemning you is the one that you're looking at in the mirror. <laughs> And one of the reasons could be is because of the religious things that some of us still have that go through our minds when religion has infiltrated us. But Jesus is going to show us, this woman, and every generation that will ever read this story that it's a new day. Where are those that condemn you? Nobody here? She said, no. No, Lord. Actually, what that word could mean in the Aramaic when she said, no, Lord, is that she had a revelation in that moment that he was actually the Messiah. <laughs> because when you're looking mercy in the face, you get the revelation, this is, this is God. This is the Father. 
And so she says, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And right there, I can tell you that this is another indicator if religion is still in my thinking, manipulation, fear of control is still in my thinking. When I look at that scripture, the way I read the Bible will be filtered through what I believe. And when I see go and sin no more, I'll think, oh, he just told her what to do and that you better control your behavior. I'd say that Jesus actually told her because she had just received the grace and the mercy that came from the Father through him that when he said, go and sin no more, she actually received the ability to live a new life that she never had to do that again. When he says don't sin, it's because he's released the ability to you to not do it. It's not because he's given you a list of rules. <laughs> because that would just be cruel to tell you that to go and sin no more and then you not actually have the ability to not do it. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be a really, really cruel joke. And so grace is released from all sons and daughters. And the son, the firstborn among all sons and daughters, was the one that was releasing grace through his words to her. And he shows her and he shows us that it's a new day. And so if religion has infiltrated my mind, I will have a relationship with rules that will value those rules and those things that I think people are supposed to do according to my According to my guidelines, it will value those things in the way that actually, let me say it this way, it will value behavior over it does over people. It will value behavior over relationship. And I'll focus more on what people do than who people are. And when I say focus on who people are, I remember Leif Hetland telling me, he said, this is how I have relationship with people that don't believe the same as me for decades. He says, what I do is I see them according to their destiny, not according to what they're living in. And every person has a destiny in Christ, regardless of the situation they're in, regardless of whether they know him or not. And so every one of us have the ability, because we're one with Christ, to see them the same way that Jesus does. We can see them according to their destiny. You know what's real important for us is not just seeing other people according to their destiny, but when I look in the mirror, seeing myself according to my destiny. Because I'm usually hardest on me. And it's one of the reasons that we can have a hard time seeing other people according to the way that the Father sees them because he can't see me the way that the Father sees me. And I propose to you that it's because religion has infiltrated our thinking and taught us to focus on something that Jesus isn't focused on. Do you know Jesus isn't worried about sin? He paid a very high price for it. One life, lots of blood once and for all paid for it. So why would he focus on it? That's why when he talks to you, you know it's him talking to you because he's speaking to your identity, not to your behavior. I'm not saying he'll never correct your behavior, but even when he corrects your behavior, what it means in Hebrews chapter 12 is that what he does is he actually pulls you closer to him because that's what good parents do. I'm not saying you're a good parent if you didn't do that. I'm just saying that you were afraid of the behavior of your child, and I've been there. Because even when we need to correct them, we, we need to, you say, yeah, you are scary right now to me, but I'm going to pull you closer because that's what I want to be a demonstration of who the Father is to you. And so I'm going to do two, two altar calls. I'm not going to have you come up here. Two altar calls. This is what I'm going to do. I feel like that there needs to be some healing happen from, from religion and how it's damaged some of us. <clears throat> and so the first one is, is just to receive healing from any, any of the religious spirit, control, fear, manipulation that's damaged your heart or caused you to have poor perspective in any way. 
This is not a blaming of people. This is not a projection onto people. This is not on whose fault it is, any of that stuff. You need to forgive somebody, do it. You have the grace. You have all the forgiveness. That This is what I always tell people about forgiveness. You have all the forgiveness you, you received. You and I received all the forgiveness we would ever need the moment we accepted Jesus to forgive every person we would ever have to forgive and more because Jesus never gives you just enough. <laughs> he's, he's the God of more than enough. So if you need to forgive somebody, remember that that's for you. It's not for them. It's not saying that what they did was okay. But it is saying, because Jesus forgave me, I have an obligation to forgive them, which will actually bring freedom to me. I get to forgive people. I don't have to forgive people. I get to forgive people. I don't have to forgive people. If I feel like it's a have to, I'll do it begrudgingly, and it actually won't come from that place in my heart that Jesus says, unless you forgive them from your heart. And so we're going we're gonna to see Holy Spirit bring some healing to hearts today from the spirit of religion. And then after that, we're going to renounce and break agreement with any of that stuff we still got in our thinking and see some freedom happen in our minds from that. So if you need healing from the spirit of religion, I, just, I don't want you to stand. I just want you to hold your hands out in front of you. I'm just going to pray. Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. So, Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for healing from every bit of religion, every bit of fear, control, and manipulation. I thank you for your love invading and bringing freedom to hearts right now. I thank you for every wound being healed. Holy Spirit, come. Please come with everything that every person needs in this moment to be completely healed of the damage that religion has caused over the years. That you would come and even break shame off of people, condemnation off of people, guilt off of people that are still looking at themselves through the lens of religion. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thanks for releasing healing love to every soul, to every heart to every mind yeah thank you peace peace yeah thank you for peace your peace your shalom and to every single person that needs it in this moment yeah, thank you for the residual stuff that, that a religion has uh, put on us being just lifted off in this moment, that even the lightness, <laughs> just feeling lighter, even beginning right now, it's just the heavy yoke, the heavy burden that religion puts on us to try to tell us that we need to carry this, that it's our responsibility to carry the heavy load. I thank you for breaking perpetual cycles of trying and works mentality and, and everything done in my own efforts in this moment that religion has brought us all into, or at least most of us in some shape or form. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. And for everybody that needs it, if you recognized at some point while I was talking that yeah I've still got some religious thinking religion has infiltrated my thinking in this way or that way I just want you to repeat this prayer with me if you'll trust me and just say in the name of Jesus I renounce and break agreement with Religion, fear, control, and manipulation. And I come into agreement with the spirit of freedom and I give my mind to you, Father, to rewire 
and to bring the thoughts that you created me to think in there. <laughs> to create new neural pathways that will cause me to operate out of the fullness of freedom. Yes, thank you. That's good. And so I slam shut. We slam shut the door to religion, fear, manipulation, control. We seal it shut with the blood of Jesus. We take authority over any of that spiritual stuff right now. In Jesus' name, we command every pit of it to get out in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for freedom right now. We thank you for the fullness of freedom. We thank you that you created us to be free sons and daughters. We thank you that the only, the only restrictions, so to speak, that aren't really restrictions, but that keep us in bounds is the perfect law of liberty and love. And so I thank you, Father, that those will be the things that guide my life, liberty and love. <laughs> and we thank you that we have the spirit of liberty and love inside of us to teach us your ways. We say with the psalmist, teach us your ways. We pray that your word would begin to be a light, a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that we'd no longer have a God of our understanding, but we'd be able to focus on you versus our problems so that you never get smaller than them. And that we'd see every situation in our lives from your perspective, but even more importantly, that we'd see ourselves according to your perspective. I thank you for a shift right now in our perspective to be able to see us the way that you see us, that when each one of us look in the mirror tonight, that we would see what you see, that we'd be able to look at ourselves through eyes of mercy, that we no longer judge ourselves according to, to the things that we have done or the things that we just did or what people have said, but we would actually look through your eyes at ourselves and that we would see ourselves according to our destiny in you. And that you, Holy Spirit, would help us to lay back and relax and live from rest. Teach us to stay in this position that seems so easy when we're in worship. But we know we were made for every moment of every day to live from that place. And so I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you for a continuation. I thank you for more truth. I bless even what you're doing right now. I thank you for aha moments. I thank you for boxes being destroyed, paradigms being shifted. Yeah. Thank you for new perspective new perspective, heaven's perspective, lenses of love. Ooh, thank you for lenses of love, eyes of mercy. Just like when we, we encounter you, we know that you have mercy on your mind. And that's what we want to have on ours. Love in our eyes and mercy on our mind because that's who you are and that's who we're created to be. And so thank you for that becoming easier and easier. Thank you for helping us give ourselves grace in the process. Being able to trust you in it all. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. have the prayer team come up here they're going to be here for you but some of you may not necessarily need that you may need to just hang out for a few more minutes or as long as you need to at some point you'll probably need to leave but you've got a while I just don't want to mess up a moment that you're having with the father right now 
So continue on, stay in that place that you need to. If you need to come up for prayer for anything, the prayer team's got you. I'd be honored to serve you. If you got to go, we totally understand. We bless you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your just continued embracing what the Father is doing. I'm so grateful that I get to be a part of a family that just wants all that he has. All right? Come on. It's nothing better. Nothing better. We love you guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.